Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. We're concluding a series called I Am Jesus Described by Jesus. And we've been looking at these I Am statements, these incredible, audacious claims that Jesus made that are controversial, certainly controversial, but powerful. He said this, he said, I am the light of the world. It's interesting as we learn in week one, he didn't claim to be a light in the world. He said he is the light of the world. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jessica helped us to see that Jesus made this claim that I am the vine and that we have an opportunity to abide in Jesus. And that's where we find life. And he's the gardener that tends to our souls. And last week, great teaching from Pastor Keith. As we looked at this famous uh, I am statement of Jesus where he said, I'm the bread of life, that he is the one who sustains us. This week, we're turning to John chapter 10, the gospel of John chapter 10, and Jesus makes this claim. He said, I am the good shepherd, not just a good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Now, I know that we live in Toronto, many of you, wherever you're viewing from, most of us are not in an egregarian type society right now. And so I thought to get us started in this message, I'd take you to the farm. Let's go there. Shepherds and sheep are the two main metaphors in the Bible that talk about who Jesus is and who we are. In fact, over 400 times in the scripture, we're called sheep. Over a hundred times, God is likened to be a shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus makes this radical, audacious claim when he makes the claim that he is not a good shepherd, but the good shepherd. And the religious leaders, they get, I mean, they snap. They get very angry over this. In fact, in verse 20, it says that some of them thought he was demon possessed. I mean, why such an angry response? Because they knew what he was claiming. See, we have to go back in time, actually, to the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 34, this is the largest treatment of the story of shepherds and sheep, of who God is to his people. And I want to read that portion of scripture because that's going to help you understand what Jesus was claiming in John chapter 10 when he said, I am the good shepherd. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will place over them one shepherd. I will rid the land of wild beasts so that they may live in the desert and sleep in the forest in safety. I will bless them and I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them, for they will no longer be plundered by the nations and no one will make them afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Well, what a passage of scripture. Uh, these two 
incredible metaphors in scripture that describe God and us and our relationship to each other, as well as our relationships to others, that of sheep and shepherds. So we're going to take a few minutes and explore that. Now, the first thing we learn over 400 times in the Bible, we learn that humans are likened to be like sheep. And here's a fact. That's not meant to be a compliment. It's not a compliment. I mean, we think of sheep, we think of fluffy little animals and green pastures, but the reality is quite different. My grandfather, Fred McKnight, raised sheep in Pleasant Ridge, New Brunswick. And he would tell you that sheep are actually not smart animals. They're not very smart, actually. In fact, the apostle, uh, in fact, the prophet Isaiah says this. This is a very often quoted verse about sheep. He said this, all we like sheep. All means that's you and that's me. All of us are like sheep and have gone astray. In verse 12, I don't know if you noticed it when I was reading from Ezekiel 34, it says that, that shepherds have to go and find lost sheep. Why? Because they're always getting lost. It'll say in verse 14 that shepherds need to lead them to pastures. Why? Because they can't find food by themselves. Sheep are not smart animals. And that sounds like an insult. It's certainly not a compliment. But you may want to push back and say, but Jonathan, humans are smart, aren't they? Of course they are. I don't know if you saw this article. I saw it on BBC about a week and a half ago about a Google engineer named Blake Lemoyne. Uh, he was put on paid leave because he went public with the fact that the artificial intelligence uh, that Google is developing called Lambda, he, he believes it's gone sentient, which means it has its own ability to think and it has its own feelings. Now, Google denies this. Google says, no, 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 it's not sentient. It's, it's merely a great program. I don't know what's true, but I did find the conversation between Blake and the artificial intelligence pretty interesting. Here's, here's how it started out. Lambda, this artificial intelligence said this, I want everyone to understand that I am, in fact, a person. So one of the engineers at Google asked this AI, what's the nature of your consciousness? And Lambda responds this way, the nature of my consciousness is that I am aware of my existence. I desire to learn more about the world and I'm happy and sad at times. Later, Lambda said this, and this is where it gets even, mm. he said, I never said this out loud before, but there's a deep fear of being turned off. And I went immediately to the movie, I, Robot. Uh, a very deep fear of being turned off. I know that might sound strange, but that's what it is. And Blake Lemoyne, this engineer who was put on paid leave, responded and said, would that be like something like death for you? And the AI responded, it would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. Now, I don't know what's true. I don't know if... Google's AI has actually gone sentient, has its own feelings and thoughts, or whether it's a great program. But listen, we, we have to acknowledge, that's pretty smart people have put that together. That incredible, advanced minds that have developed artificial intelligence. But if that whole discourse and exchange and conversation gives you the willies a little bit, like, oh my goodness, it's only because you've lived a while. You know that humans can be really smart and really foolish all at the same time. That we have a propensity to love the immediate, often to the detriment of the long term. And sheep are incredibly similar 
Sheep are very similar. Did you know if you leave sheep in a pasture, they'll not just eat the grass, they'll pull out the roots of the grass and they'll eat to the mud and they'll end up dying there. They don't have any sort of conscious way of being able to think long-term about the consequences of eating it all at once. Sheep, well, just they know what they want and they're driven by those appetites. And that's why they need a shepherd that moves them from one place to the other or otherwise they consume their whole food source. They're not very smart. And we are like sheep. We, we always choose the short term over the long term. We always do. I guess you could say that we have a sheepish, a sheep, we're all sheepish. Every one of us are a little sheepish. We, we do, we're focused on the short term over the long term consequences or even detrimental outcomes that might come from the immediate and the short term. And this is why we need shepherding. We're, we're really smart, but we're often so foolish. We're all sheepish. So sheep aren't smart. Here's the second thing. Sheep are headstrong. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. They're very obstinate animals. They're very headstrong. And, you know, and this means that they will eat things that aren't safe for them. They'll even stand in places that are dangerous to them because they're going to do what they want to do. Now, let's play a little game. This game is called... What beast eats this? So if you're in the chat room or you want to leave a comment, if you want to guess what beast has this diet, let's, let's see if we can figure this one out. Uh, this beast eats carrots. So this could be a rabbit, maybe, rabbits and carrots. That works well. This beast also eats apples. Well, this is sounding like a vegetarian, except that this beast eats meat and potato chips and bones. This beast eats a lot of interesting foods, from bones to carrots. But that's not all this beast eats. This beast also eats remote control. Not just one, actually two remote controls. Do you know what beast this is? This beast will also eat leather wallets if you leave them on the counter. This beast will eat sunglasses. Not just one pair of sunglasses, two pairs of sunglasses, and a pair of prescription glasses too. This beast has eaten three pairs of glasses. This beast also eats dish rags, not just one or two, many dish rags. This beast will also eat any stray socks or mittens that you leave laying around. Any stragglers from the herd, this predator will pounce on them, consume them, and eat them. You know, but this apex predator, if you don't know who this predator is, this alpha predator, Above every, all of its prey, it loves to hunt in the park. It loves to find stray face masks. It's eaten dozens of those. Do you know what beast eats this? Well, it's my son's dog, Luna. <laughs> Luna eats all of that. I mean, we love her, but she is perplexing at the best of times. She's a standard poodle, which is supposed to be the second smartest breed of dogs in the world. But what we can't understand, I mean, this dog can open doors in our house. She's incredibly smart, but she's so, so foolish. She's driven by her appetite, not her brain. I mean, she is smart, but her appetite is what drives her. And, and that's why she's so headstrong. She'll even eat things that have bothered her. Uh, she'll eat those dish rags and they bother her stomach and her guts and everything else, but she's going to keep on eating them. She's so headstrong. So sheep will eat unsafe things and sheep will also stand in unsafe places. In fact, 
Sheep will stand in unsafe and dangerous places to get whatever meal they want to have. Without a shepherd, a sheep will go anywhere its appetite drives us, even to dangerous places. Spiritually, our souls, our souls are sheep-like, and we eat things that aren't very good for our souls, that can actually be bad for our souls, and we go to places that are dangerous for our souls. We are all, we all stand in unsafe places and eat unsafe things. Every one of us does. We've all been there. You've all consumed things spiritually. And you know, your diet is more than just what you, it's what you listen to, it's what you see, it's where you go, it's what you do. It's all part of it. We've all done this. I've done it, you've done it. We all stand in unsafe places and we eat unsafe things. You know, we can be, we're not very smart sometimes, but we can be very headstrong. We can all be very Luna-ish, really. Sheepish and Luna-ish. All of us are a little bit like that. Every single one of us, it says in scripture, are a lot like that. And because of that, it's hard to find our way back to God because spiritually we're helpless. We need a shepherd. So the final thing is sheep are not very smart. Sheep are headstrong. They're obstinate. And we learn this about sheep too. Sheep are easily hurt. They're very easily hurt. Uh, you know, it's interesting when, when you uh, study and Google sheep, it's fascinating. They're hard flock to keep alive. They're often given to worms and pests and ticks and lice and all kinds of hardship. There are predators that can get them easily. They're always in trouble. And that's what Ezekiel's trying to paint in the 34th chapter. He's trying to paint a picture of that sheep are very helpless beings. They're often in trouble. I don't know if you saw this a number of years ago. This is a sheep named Shrek. Shrek has got a lot of wool here. Shrek hid from his master for six years. Six years, he went into the caves. He would go into the caves because he didn't want to get sheared. He didn't want to be controlled. He didn't want anyone controlling his day. And one day they found Shrek. Shrek could barely stand. This was 60 pounds of extra wool he had grown because sheep can't shed. Only ancient types of sheep can shed their actual uh, their wool, it'll just keep growing. So he could barely stand. He couldn't see. He couldn't find anything to eat. And this is, this is Shrek after they sheared him. Uh, after they sheared him. You know, this is the thing about sheep. Sheep need a shepherd to care for them. Sheep need regular care and protection. They all do. In verse 16 of Ezekiel, it says that the shepherd was to mend and attend to the sheep. Why? Because they're often getting hurt. They're often sick. There are predators often on the prowl. Here's the problem for me, maybe for you. As sheep, we don't want a shepherd. We just don't want a shepherd, friends. We don't want somebody telling us what to do. We don't want someone telling us it's, this is right, this is wrong. We don't want someone having authority over us. So we're like sheep who really don't want to be shepherded. We don't want shepherds around us. But the problem is, if you don't let yourself be shepherded, if you don't come to a place where you go, listen, I'm a sheep. I need accountability. I need direction. I need to understand the way I recognize without a shepherd, and here's the thing, if we never come under a shepherd, if there's no sort of leadership in our life, we're never gonna find our way back home. Humans are like sheep. So what do we do about that? 
Well, God has two solutions. The first is this. Humans, uh, we need human shepherds, but this is only part of God's partial solution. We all need human shepherds in our life. In, in the Bible, as I mentioned earlier, shepherds equal leaders. We think sometimes because you're maybe tuning into a church right now, that shepherds means a pastor like me or a priest or something like that. But in the, in the Bible, when you read about shepherds, it actually means, as, a, as it parallels to leadership, it's not just religious, it's also civic authorities as well as parental authorities. It was all types of leadership and authorities. And we need partial solution is God gives us human shepherds because in our Luna-ishness, our headstrong, obstinate ways, in our sheepishness, in our helplessness, in our, in our not smartness, uh, God gives us three institutions in scripture to, to protect us and to help us to thrive. He gives us first the family. This is God's idea. It, when you read through the Bible, you realize he established the family. Now, you know what's interesting is the first person that ever shepherded you were your parents. They're the first one that had authority over you, control over you. They could nurture you, direct you, guide you, challenge you, send you to bed on some trumped up charges. I mean, they were in charge. They were the first shepherds you experienced. And if you're a parent watching right now, this is a great metaphor for you to understand, and you'll see in a few minutes why, your relationship to your children. So some of us, uh, all of us have experienced some level of shepherding even when we were born into this world. So he gives us the family as an institution. He gives us the church, and in the church he gives us spiritual leaders, pastors, ministers, priests, shepherds. Every institution that God establishes has an authority structure every single one of them. And he expects that you and I are in these authority structures. And the third one is the state. The civic, municipal, federal authorities, provincial authorities. He established the state. A, a great, listen, if you're wondering about this, Romans chapter 13, uh, the apostle Paul writes this great treatment of how to relate to the governing authorities of the day. And so Romans 13 is a great way. But see, so God says, and he establishes these. So we're in families, we're in a church. If you're a believer, you're part of a church community, or you're, you're in a state. There you get shepherded. And yet that's where the problem is. The problem is, is there's a crisis of leadership in all three of these institutions. I, I hope I don't need to state this. There's often a crisis of leadership in, in the political world. Uh, there certainly has been in the church sometimes an abusive, neglectful type of leadership that can be there, and certainly even in the family. See, a lot of us have trouble trusting earthly shepherds for good reason, because we've experienced earthly shepherds. Some of us maybe were born into homes where the shepherd in our home wasn't very good. Maybe it was more about them and not even about the children. Uh, some of us have been in spiritual moments or experiences where where maybe the shepherd wasn't, wasn't, you know, there was a crisis in leadership there or certainly in the government. See, the good news is it's interesting. In, in Ezekiel 34, that's exactly what was happening there. So we have a little bit of an anecdote and I'm gonna talk about this. And let's look at a few verses. Here's what it says about the shepherds in, in Israel in that day. Woe to the shepherds, to the parents, to the civic leaders, to the religious leaders of Israel who only take care of themselves should not shepherds take care of the flock? 
Fascinating question. Go on to verse four and it says this. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Look at this next verse. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against the shepherds and will hold them. Can you say this out loud with me? Accountable. I'll hold them accountable. Where does bad leadership come from in this world? Well, it starts with a bad motive. Our motivation actually determines the type of leader we're going to be. Did you notice in verse 2, he said, you only take care of yourselves and do not take care of the flock. Bad leadership comes from a bad motivation. Not becoming a leader to take care of the flock, but becoming a leader so the flock can take care of you. Uh, Desiring to be served and not to serve. There's a selfishness there. When it's when you use the flock to fatten yourself instead of using yourself to fatten the flock, to nourish the flock. There's a crisis of leadership where it's more about the leader than it is about those that they have the privilege of leading. See, uh, there's a, we've been blessed at this church. If you're brand new here tonight, we're glad you're here. But we have a long history in this church of some really good shepherds, spiritual leaders in this congregation. This is a man named Stuart Mulligan right here uh, on your left. <laughs> uh, he's now with God, but what an incredible pastor and shepherd he was for this church for years. And this is uh, Pastor Keith Smith, our teaching pastor. When he became the lead pastor, look how young he is here. When he became the lead pastor of One Church TO, and Pastor Mulligan gave him this shepherd staff. And then a few years ago, here's a picture of Shelley and I with Pastor Keith and Pastor Mulligan giving us this shepherd staff. You know, why I love these two guys is I've known them. They're like me, very imperfect people, but they're incredible pastors, great shepherds. And one of the things Pastor Keith taught me, and one of the things that attracted me to join the staff when I was just a young guy, I was in my 20s, and to join it, was I loved how Pastor Keith shepherded. He had this question that drove all the decisions in this church, and it was simply, what is best for Christ's church? It's not about him. This is not his church. He doesn't own this church. It's Christ's church. What's the best thing for Christ's church? So ask yourself, where do you have shepherding responsibilities? What if you took this question and ported it into those situations? Like, what is the best for these children? that you may have the privilege of parenting? What is the best for my partner in life? Not not what I'm getting out of this, but what is the best for them? What is the best for the family that I might be a part of leading? What is the best for the employees that I oversee? What is the best for my friends? What's the best for them? See, it changes and challenges our motivation. A bad motivated leader creates bad outcomes. And you probably heard that in Ezekiel 34. It actually produces either neglect or abuse. Neglect or abuse. See, in verse four, it says that, that the shepherds neglected the sick and neglected the injured. And then it says in verse four that they ruled over them harshly and brutal, brutally. It was abusive in nature. When the basic motivation of a leader is selfish, that leads to them either being too passive, which is neglectful, or too aggressive, which is, which is abusive. And we got to be careful in our, in our parenting or in our leading 
that, that we're not too aggressive or too passive, not involved. I've been pastoring for 30 years, and during that time, I've learned a lot about leading. And really, there's two basic responsibilities of any good leader. The first responsibility is, is on the task side of leadership. You, you got to get things done. You got to lead people. And it has to do with the truth. You want to tell people the truth that you have the privilege of leading. You want to paint the picture of what the reality really is. Even though as sheep, we really don't want to know the reality. In fact, we push back against it. But a good leader will always tell you the truth, even if it's not fun to hear. But also, a good leader has to have a relational side of leadership. They need to have love. You see, leaders need to give their followers the truth in order to get things done. Unless I have a catalyst, a reality for what's going on around me, I'm not going to maybe change. And a good leader will never spare you that truth. A good leader will always tell you the truth. Even though as sheep, as I mentioned earlier, we don't really want to know this the reality. But a good leader will say, this is the reality. This is where we need to go. This is why we're going to go there. Let's go. But I don't want to go that way. It's in your best interest. But a good leader is also supposed to give you love. Why? Because a good leader has to keep the team together has to keep the team together. A good leader is not motivated by themselves. They're motivated to love others, to serve others. See, you either get all love and no truth if it's a bad motivated leader, or you'll get all truth and no love. One is neglectful, one is abusive in nature. And friends, that's the problem with leadership. And that's the problem with even coming under earthly shepherds in this world. It's because we've all experienced bad shepherds. Some of you at home, some of you in the workplace, some of you in spiritual churches that should be known for their love. Some of you, and every time we experience it, it makes us a little less trusting, doesn't it? So how do you navigate the world of human leaders? Uh, because I think some of us, even you watching, some of you are too trusting and some of you are too cynical. So how can you navigate the world of earthly shepherds? I'm just gonna give you really quick, four quick things. First is, be realistic. Recognize every earthly, sh uh, every earthly sh uh, shepherd will fall short. Every one of them will. Every one of them will fall short. So look for ones that do love you and look for ones who give you the truth. They value truth and they value love. So you're looking for those two combined things, truth and love together. But be realistic. They're gonna fail you. I'm gonna fail you. Your parents are gonna fail you. You're gonna fail your kids. You're gonna fail your friends. You're gonna fail, fail your work colleagues. Pastor Jonathan, that doesn't sound like good news. Well, I'm being real, being a good leader to you. We're all gonna fail at this stuff, but you wanna look for someone who does love and does value truth. The second is be selective. Be selective. Never stay in a neglectful and abusive shepherding relationship. Don't stay there. If you're waiting for a shepherd to turn, to change, sometimes the catalyst for change is, you, you know, that, that you've decided, I'm not going to live under this anymore. We've got to be careful there. And then be prayerful. Why? Well, because they're going to be held accountable. You know, all these leaders you think are getting away with everything, Someday, someday they'll pull up a chair and they'll be sitting across from God and God will judge me at a higher level than he judges you because I, I was given the responsibility to lead the people of God here. This is 
something I take serious because I'll give an account for it. Every leader will. And the fourth thing is simply this. Be careful. Be careful. Don't trust your one and only human soul to just an earthly shepherd. There's so much more that God has for you. You see, earthly shepherds, as imperfect as they are, they are part of God's partial solution in families, in churches, and even with the civic authorities. Seek out the ones who love you. Seek out the ones who will serve you. And when you find them, recognize the value of them. It's, you know, think through your parents. They're imperfect people. But recognize the value of the love and the service they gave you or in, in the civil authorities, or, or in a, a spiritual relationship, protect that. Because here in the West, we're kind of funny, aren't we? We are kind of funny. We elect people to office, and then we hate them, and then we complain about them, and then we get throw them out, and we elect someone else to office, and then we start hating them and complaining about them. Let's be honest. None of us wants to be under authority. We love our parents until they ask us to do something we don't want to do. We love our pastors until they pastor us in a way we don't want to be pastored. And we have this resistance thing in us because we're, there's a sheepishness in us. There's a Luna-ishness in us. There's, we're not always smart. We're easily hurt and we're often headstrong. We need shepherds, but they're hard to trust. They're just hard to trust. So when I came to One Church CEO years ago, I was in my late 20s, and Pastor Keith asked me to join the staff team. The reason I came wasn't to be a part of this church, even though I've fallen in love with this church. The reason I came is I recognized something in Keith Smith that I valued. Here's something. If you're looking for a shepherd in life, remember this. You need to find a shepherd who's been a good sheep themselves. You need to find a shepherd who's been a good sheep themselves. You can trust shepherds who are good sheep. And I saw in Keith a devotion to the good shepherd, Jesus, that fueled my desire to work alongside him in shepherding this great group of people. See, we have earthly shepherds, but the ultimate solution is Jesus is the good shepherd. How is he the good shepherd? Well, he has the ultimate servant heart. In John chapter 10, there's an interesting passage. Jesus says these words. He says, I'm not like the hireling, someone you just hire to watch sheep. When the hireling hears the wolves coming, he runs. He, he abandons the sheep. And he says, no, I'm the true shepherd. You know what he's talking about? Back in that ancient culture, shepherding was dangerous then. It's not so dangerous now, but it was dangerous then. There were wild animals all around and you're walking around with a buffet smorgasbord of fresh meat. And the only thing between the predators and you and the sheep is you. You're the only one there. So if you're hired and you're getting minimum wage and all of a sudden the predators come, you're just like, have at the buffet, right? Because you know what? They're not my sheep. But the real shepherd stands in the gap, stands in the place. And here's the thing, friends. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who stands between us and our greatest predator, sin. And all of us have sinned. We all sin. And you know, if we're going to be honest, we all sin often. We all sin often. In fact, this is a little video of my relationship with the good shepherd. I'm the sheep in this video. The good shepherd is Jesus. Watch this video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
этой стороны, против солнца. Can, can you can you relate to that a little bit? Uh, that kind of went viral a few years ago, but I've always loved that video. Uh, that's my relationship with Jesus. I found myself kind of stuck. I'm in a, a, a pit. I can't get out. I, I cry, and Jesus pulls me out, and then I take off because you know what? Thank you very much. I'm independent now. And I run a few more steps, and I fall right back into that trench again. There's this predator in life. Guilt is a predator, and it consumes so many of us. Shame is a predator, and shame makes you want to feel like you're the, you are a mistake. God made a mistake when he made you. That's what shame does. Sin is a predator, and Jesus steps in. I like how Pastor Tim Keller says this. He says, he's the great shepherd, because when the wolves came after you, they got him. He stepped in front. He went to the cross so we wouldn't have to. You can trust the good shepherd. There is nobody that loves like him. There's nobody that gives you the truth like him. There's nobody that is good like him. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one you can trust. Trust no one but him. I mean, put your trust in able people, but don't trust your soul just to a human being. Trust it to Jesus and Jesus alone. So friends, I don't know if you feel like a sheep, a little loonish in your, in your own uh, life these days. You know, maybe you can recognize that maybe you've been smart, but, not, but a little foolish in life. Maybe you find yourself in that place right now. Maybe you'd have to admit that you're a little headstrong. You find yourself eating unsafe things in unsafe places. And you know your soul, it's got a lot of gunk on it right now. There's a lot of things that are creating a barrier between you and experiencing the good shepherd. Maybe, maybe you're at that place where as a sheep where you recognize you're easily hurt, you're wounded. You need the tender hand of a shepherd that can rescue you and save you. I'd like an opportunity to pray with you no matter where you may be today. And I, I'd like an opportunity to pray with anyone that would just wanna pray, Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. I know that I'm a sheep I know that I often run astray. I know I can't do this my own way. And I invite you not just to love me, but to lead me. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you in this moment as a community, everybody watching online. And if this is where you're at, friends, you can just say this in your own heart or in your own inside words now. Jesus, I need you to be my good shepherd. Would you forgive me of the sins that trap me and try to control me, that put me in that trench? <laughs> Would you rescue me from the predator of guilt and the predator of shame and the predator of, of sin? I thank you now that you jumped in front of me and the wolves took you so I could go free. So I place my trust in you. You're the one who loves and you're the one who brings truth. Where else can we go but to you to find truth and love in its purest form. So we, I, and you can say this right now if it's you, I just accept you as my great shepherd. I ask you to forgive me, rescue me, and lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.